We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to Esports Biz Show. And I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports talent representation and the role that these individuals play in esports. Just a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. All this information is just for educational purposes only. Esport talent reps, the individuals who work on behalf of professional gamers and streamers. They're usually attorneys, but sometimes they're licensed player talent agents or marketing agents. This week's guest is Roger Kiewis, an esports attorney and player representative at FTW Talent. Roger works with professional gamers, streamers, and content creators. Thanks for joining us, Roger. Thank you for having me, Justin. It's our pleasure. We're glad to get this going. So to briefly introduce the topic, you know, there's a few kind of main responsibilities and things that player representatives handle. One of the primary things is, you know, negotiating the gamer's contract, their player contract with the org or team they're signed to. Additionally, working on any sponsorship or endorsement agreements that they may get. If a player is a free agent, you know, they could assist in finding them a new team or some other new situation that works. They also really help with the marketing and brand development of their talent, including pitching them to different brands and creating pitch decks and fielding different inquiries. What's also really useful is they're very familiar with different esports league rules and tournament organizers and really the legal and business side of the industry, including tax matters and visa and immigration stuff. Also, they really act as a nice buffer to the outside world, whether it's handling with the press, other teams, coaches, team owners, and the fans. And in times of chaos, you know, as we see, there's always scandals going on here and there. They can be their person in your corner with some crisis management assistance. 
Um, so, yeah, now that we know a little bit more about what they do, Roger, tell us a little about your past esports work. Sure. So um, I run my own law practice, Keyless Law, out of New York. I've been working in esports now for about five years, almost exclusively. Uh, work on all sides of the space, so player representation, content creator representation, teams, and the many supporting businesses that operate in the space. Uh, serves a global clientele, so I've got clients in North America, Latin America, Europe, as well as Asia. Um, realistically have touched every major esports title at this point and many of the minor ones um very familiar with all of the various ins and outs of uh of the very of the many ecosystems that the esports industry has created okay awesome um so what are you years ago i started oh sorry justin yeah no problem yeah so you were continue sure so about two years ago created uh, ftw talent uh, as a full-service player and talent management agency uh, to work with players and content creators in a closer manner. Uh, we were seeing that there were a lot of uh, players and streamers and other content creators that, you know, once we sort of handed off the deal to them, um, there's certainly a lot of confusion and a lot of um, being unsure about what were specific issues that were popping up uh, during the life of the contract itself. Uh -huh. Um, and also just generally not knowing how to necessarily handle a lot of those situations. Uh, and that's why I think realistically, like you've noted, uh, a player agents being buffers, uh, is probably one of the most important roles that we have, because I do think that we can stop a lot of issues, uh, from growing into significant problems pretty early on in the process. Yeah, I think that like what you're saying is having this outside influence who's a little bit more unbiased from the situation can really bring a unique perspective to it. Absolutely. You know, and the good thing, too, is, you know, for for talent. Oftentimes dealing with these issues is going to be the first time they've ever had to deal with these issues, uh -huh. whereas for for player representatives, you know, chances are we've already seen these types of problems arise in the past. So we can lend uh, a, a, an experienced voice to the matter, uh, you know, and also, you know, not only to resolve the issue, but also to assure the clients that you know it may not necessarily be as bad as as perceived, uh, or there may be easy solutions to solve these problems. Okay, cool. Um, so, what are you kind of working on now? So right now. I have the joy uh, of working through uh, two concurrent free agency periods. Uh -huh. uh, so both Overwatch as well as Call of Duty. Uh, so we we recently had free agency open up with respect to Overwatch League. Mm -hmm. uh, that's been particularly interesting as this as this offseason is the first after the initial Overwatch League contracts have ended. Okay. Uh, so contracts for reference were what were called one plus one deals that was one year guaranteed and then a second year uh would be a team option okay so every was everyone that completed uh their initial deal is now a free agent so we have a ton of uh overwatch players that are now free agents uh that are available for teams and that's needless to say causing some chaos 
uh, amongst the, on the side of trials and recruiting uh, and even being able to, to get deals done. So like the supply and demand, the supply is really high. So, you know, they can be a lot more choosy and like you said, put you through the trials to find the exact player that they want at the exact rate that they're interested in spending. Exactly. You know, and I think uh, one of the one of the biggest issues that we have in esports at large is in terms of evaluating talent. Um, you know, traditional sports, we have all sorts of data points and analytics and metrics that can be used to say, you know, this guy's going to be a, an elite running back. This guy's going to be a great uh, point guard. But we don't quite have that, uh, at least not to a precise point. Uh, as we do with traditional sports in esports, uh, but what it means then is that the recruiting process for organizations in the meantime, it's a lot more personal. So perception will be skewed by perception, and two organizations can look at a player completely differently. Um, so especially having a significant amount of play makes it very difficult to say you know what these are the guys that i want these are the guys that i think are going to fit the rest of our team uh-huh. or even if it's saying hey let's take a list of all the pl- all the position all the players at this one position that we really want to fit let's put them all in a trial and scrim with our team and see how it goes well you know for a normal off season your list may be a couple people but now, because there's so many that are free agents, you may have a significant number if you're looking to trial everyone at that spot. Um, so definitely some growing pains uh, with respect to to talent recruitment on the organization side uh, in the league itself. Why do you think this problem is kind of arising? It's just a lack of track record. They've only been doing this for two, three, four years. I mean, I think it's, I think it's just sheerly a supply a supply issue. Um, the we didn't have nearly as many um, nearly as many players drop off after a single year. Uh, people did want to retain a significant portion of rosters, so we now have this just mass of players that uh, that are now free agents. Also, too, the initial deals, uh, at least in terms of time length we're all equal. Everyone was on a one plus one deal. Um, it, unlike in traditional sports where, you know, you may have a three-year deal or four-year deal or, and so on. So unless these individual players got extended out uh, during their initial term, you have everyone that was on the initial deal is up now. Um, and then just from, the, for just from the sheer data and analytics point, I think that's just a matter of time. Uh, in, ter- in terms of you know being able to determine, uh, you know, just crunching the 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 ones and zeros to say, hey, these are the different characteristics that make for you know an exceptional DPS. These are the types of characteristics that make for an exceptional support. Um, human human error aside. Okay, cool. So it really kind of seems like now that teams have seen these players for two years, kind of really decided who can hang and they can be a little bit more choosy and i'm sure that a bunch of kids are gonna go to the academy teams if to kind of give them another opportunity to prove themselves 
Well, the, the academy structure in and of itself is interesting because this past year, uh, it seems like there's been a bit of a contraction um, at the contenders level, specifically with respect to Overwatch. Um, we've had multiple organizations leave NA contenders, um, one of which at least joined uh, another league, being Philadelphia Fusion, joined uh, the Korea Contenders League. Um, so really put a strain on on contenders levels players because a lot of the options that were remaining were predominantly pickup teams uh and unsigned organization unorganized or teams that were not affiliated with an organization mm -hmm. so you then create a system an issue where you have a significant number of players who competing at the contenders level that are not getting paid um and frankly at that point it's a question of well you, you can only not get paid to play but for so long so if you're not getting paid and the, and the ecosystem is not sufficient enough to create a future of getting paid or a likelihood of getting paid then you may see people start to walk away uh or have to shift or playing another game competitively to see if there's a a brighter future for them there okay that's very interesting i i could see how you know, same with like minor league baseball. Like you can only do that for so long until, if there's no hopes of you going to the majors, you right. you just really can't survive on that as you kind of grow and need more. Okay, so that's very interesting. So I believe you're a licensed talent agent. Right. So can you kind of elaborate mm -hmm. a bit on the Uniform Athlete Agent Acts and any other kind of talent agent acts that may be relevant to the space? Sure. So the Uniform Athlete Agent Act is this uh, it's a body of law that most the vast majority of states in the United States have adopted in one fashion or another. Many of those states, it's completely parallel to one another. Other states have um, heightened requirements that, it, that they... There are about five or eight states that still have not adopted the UAA. Okay. Uh, basically, that was established to create a protection for the for the athletes themselves um they didn't want legislatives didn't want um agents to basically come in and effectively be predators where you know signing with an agent would make you no longer eligible to play uh, in the ncaa absent circum certain circumstances uh so we put this in as a protective measure to protect the students and make sure that they are not student athletes and make sure that they are not effectively taken advantage of. Uh, and certainly in the esports context, it's really no different. Um, we certainly do not have the collegiate feeder system that we do with traditional sports and the NCAA. Uh, however, as an esports agent uh, on the player side, you are also required to be a licensed player agent. Um, and of course, because the United States has two very different systems of law, between the state side of things and the federal side of things, the UAAA is a body of state law, which means then if you wanted to register to be representing players from that state, you need to register in that state individually. Uh, so that could end up very quickly, very fast, if you do have a very broad client base. Interesting. So if there was like a federal kind of legislation, it would, how would that kind of change it? It would make our lives a lot easier, <laughs> that's for sure. 
Um, it also would uh, make it a lot cheaper. Um, realistically, every state that you register in has a has an application fee attached. Uh, certain states require you to have certain types of insurance that others don't. Uh, so having a singular body of law with respect to talent agents would be much easier to handle uh, on a client-to-client basis. So I know that in certain other traditional sports, such as NFL, you could be a player agent certified. So how does that kind of differ from this agent act? Sure. So in traditional sports, the um, the Players Association certifies the agents that will be allowed to represent the talent participating in those sports at the professional level. So if you want to be an NFL player agent, you need to be certified by the NFL Players Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, that certification, that registration process um, is some body of test, um, at least on the NFL side. MLB side is a little easier. Basically, like if you have, an, my understanding is that if you have a Major League Baseball client, you essentially submit some paperwork to the Players Association and boom, you're a, a certified player agent for baseball players, uh, Major League Baseball. So esports doesn't have uh, well. First off, it doesn't have uh, players associations in the same fashion. Body uh, that would as a certifying body as well. Um, so certainly, the only the only real mechanism that we have to certify as a player agent is simply going through these state processes. Um, I guess there could certainly be. Uh, some certifying body in the future, like if any sort of uh, if any developer run league wanted to certify all of the player agents that were operating uh, within that league, they absolutely could do so. Um, or, of course, you know, we can take the a similar path to the traditional sports angle. And if we somehow manage to have a player, players association develop, we can have that body then. Uh, certified player agents in the manner that it sees fit. Okay, so if you're an NFL agent, you would get certified by the Player Association as well as register with these different states under this act, right? Yes. Okay. So that's a lot of filing fees and a lot of paperwork (laughs) and renewals and all kinds of things. So do you think, Mm -hmm. you know, just based on your knowledge that a lot of, you know, the talent reps in esports are kind of proceeding this way? You know, I know that it's, like you said, it's pricey and you have to be certified in all the states that you have talent in, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen both. I've seen um, I've seen player representatives uh, take the, you know, super appropriate approach and get registered by the states where they have clients. I've seen people not create talent agencies and have no idea that they even need to become a licensed uh, player agent um, or that there was even any sort of licensing requirement for agents at all. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, I, I think that speaks more towards the lack of traditional sports knowledge that we have uh, within this space thus far. I, I do think that is growing. Uh, so certainly I think that as we continue to professionalize, uh, we'll see more and more people take the appropriate approach. Uh, and take all steps necessary to go get registered. 
Okay, interesting. So yeah, if you if you're trying to represent talent, make sure you're doing it the right way because you know there's definitely penalties and other kind of fines and I'm sure other sanctions for violation of these acts if you're found in violation. Um, so I yeah, know I believe some, some states even have uh, criminal penalties attached. Wow, that's crazy. When you're selling products online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, expensive, there's so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? Well, that's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, saves money on shipping costs, and keeps your customers happy. No matter what you're selling on, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including the U.S. Postal Service, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now, any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Right now, our listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. So I know that you work with some other entertainers as well as some professional athletes. So how do you feel working with esports talent is different than working with talent in other areas? Um... I don't really feel that it is very different at all. Uh, Certainly the egos are comparable. Um, The, you know, players are players, you know, the, the real competitors, they're they're competitors at heart and above all else, they want to win. That's no different whether you're playing stick and ball sports or if you're playing overwatch league of legends, counter-strike, et cetera. Um, I do think now that, Esports players are becoming much more cognizant of the fact that they unto themselves are a business and are brands, Um, whereas traditional sports has long learned that. Um, So you are seeing players be more, much more aware of the fact that their decisions and that their public persona is something that can impact their playing career or, you know, not even just their playing career, but any sort of, um, other endeavor that they want to choose their piggy uh, bank right and their, and their piggy bank like you know they're starting Absolutely. to realize that having the right people in their corner is the difference between guaranteed money or certain expenses covered or you know getting a higher salary right. just because you asked for it or were able to negotiate yep. and prove your point absolutely you know and i think um the uber competitor and being toxic and i think you know the 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 quintessential example of this from a traditional sports perspective is probably kobe bryant whereas you know kobe and wanted to win above all else and 
took some actions and made some statements that may create the per- the the perception that he uh, wasn't the best of teammates uh, because of that, and and could have been a potentially toxic player to a lot of the clients that I work with that are, you know, uber competitive, because it's something that you know esports has long had and long had its issues with toxicity both on the professional side of things and even just with communities. And toxicity is easily one of the things that will be, that will knock you several pegs down uh, in terms of any business dealing, whether that be a player contract, sponsorship contract, anything within the esports space. So we want to make sure that that competitive nature is seen for what it is and not seen as something that makes you a, a bad teammate or a toxic you just don't want to play a game with much less live in a team house with for for six months out of the year right it's like be a good sport gg good game that's you know very ingrained in the whole you know esports gaming culture of yeah it's a game you win you lose but it's how you act in defeat how you act and win like nobody wants someone who's like you said screaming at everyone and oh why didn't you kill him like it's your fault and you know blaming stuff on other people it it really messes up the vibe it just isn't a team especially in these games where you're four or five guys with a map and you need to be coordinated it really doesn't help morale and you know at the end of the day nobody wants a person like that around so you know it's very interesting to see how these kids act and how they're learning that you know what you do in your basement is one thing but now that you're on the main stage or you have thousands of people watching you on a stream like those same actions aren't gonna fly yeah absolutely um so yeah so i know you've done you know numerous contracts over the years with different players in different games what are some things that you see that kind of jump out Mm -hmm. at you that you know players are mistaken or that where they're kind of taken advantage of and maybe don't realize it? Um, I think the easiest low-hanging fruit there is is streaming requirements. Um, players are very eager to accept high streaming requirements simply because they're like, oh, I'll just stream, stream practices, and if I'm in a team house, I'll have all the time in the world to stream yet no one really looks at streaming as being this separate thing unto itself. Um, so that then just becomes an easy way for an organization to say, hey, you've breached your contract because you didn't hit whatever your predefined streaming hours were. Um, if anything, it's something that you know we try to get lowered, if not knocked out completely, because these players are there to compete more so than anything else. Um, beyond that, I think there's a significant lack of understanding with respect to likeness rights issues. So likeness rights, for those that are unaware, is basically the right to use the player's name, image, um, their their voice, things of that sort, with respect to any sort of enterprise, be it promotional or commercial. Um, players are also very willing to just give away those likeness rights for sometimes in perpetuity um, or at least for, for brief periods of time. So one of the things that, that I certainly try to do and I know others as well is um, really educate our clients with respect to what exactly it is that they're giving up by doing so. 
and how that can impact their career, uh, both with the team and not with the team. Um, that tends to be a very easy way to get it across of saying, hey, you might not want to give away these rights for as long as are defined here, or maybe we want to uh, create some difference between how the organization can use these rights in certain circumstances. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, organizations want to use likeness rights as a means of, you know, selling additional sponsorship dollars. Um, but if none of that money is coming directly to you as the player, then realistically, why is someone potentially profiting off of your face? Um, especially for a period that could be well beyond your time with the team. So, you know, kind of explain that a little bit more of like, what does that mean by having the rights to your likeness and how does that kind of impact you as a player potentially in the long term? So let's say I'm on, let's say I'm a Fortnite player. And as a Fortnite player, I join an organization and I'm playing for Team X. And during a contract with Team X, um, which I've signed already, they're requiring that I give them, you know, my likeness rights, the, my, the rights to use my image, my name, um, my for tag, like for, for several years past the point of uh, the end of the contract. Um, let's say now that contract ends, and now I'm a superstar, and realistically, I'm saying, mm, as a Fortnite player, I'm seeing that there's not too many lands, so maybe I don't need an organization, maybe I can just play online, whatever significant land there is, and then either be taken care of by the developer, or I'll have enough of my own money anyway, because I'm as big as I am now, um, to be able to get myself there. So it's a year, here it is now, a year past the contract's expiration, and you know, you show your faces, you, you walk into Best Buy, and your face is on the side of a Razor mouse uh -huh. because team sold your likeness to Razor for money that you saw nothing of. Well, it's like, all right, well now realistically, let's say I have, because I'm, I'm a superstar effectively in my game, it's now harder for me to sell sponsorship knowing that I'm going to be on my own. So it's harder for me to get a sponsorship from a peripheral company because let's say, let's say I'm talking to Corsair. And Corsair is going to say, well, why are we going to sponsor you and put you on the side of Corsair boxes when someone else is going to see you on the side of a Razor box okay, for the yeah. next two years? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the perfect example of a player and any professional not really understanding the long-term ramifications of what they're doing. They're all met the here and now. And, right. You know, unless you have someone who actually understands that, yeah, like maybe right now you're just so happy to play for them. But two, three years from now, after you develop and put your all into it and you're with this major organization, you may elevate yourself. You may be at a level where you can stand on your own and be functional. But if right. you didn't ever plan for that, where maybe the team has to pay you some kind of residual royalty or likeness right mm -hmm. to be able to continue after your termination but if you never even realize that this is something to bring up or that you can even discuss then you can't even begin that conversation exactly and I, and I think that your kind of point to the streaming is that these are things that 
yeah, you're there to compete professionally. So for you to have to do an extra five hours outside of your practice schedule and your competition schedule becomes a huge burden on you mm-hmm. because you want to actually have time to go to the gym, get dinner with right. friends, like, you know, be part sleep. of society, you know, exactly sleep, like try mm-hmm. to be a functioning human for a little bit. So I think that, right. you know, having someone in your corner who this is what they do, they understand what everything means, not just today and tomorrow, but six months from now, a year from now, you know, really kind of sets things properly. So, you know, where do you think the future of the talent representation business is going? I mean, realistically, I think you're going to see it continue to professionalize. Um, I think you're going to see uh, talent agencies, both on the player side and on the content creator side, start to offer a lot more. um, Because realistically, this celebrity and stardom of these individuals is also only increasing. And they're going to need to be more and more in different capacities than than we've had to deal with in esports like i just saw Um, yesterday lady gaga tweeted like at ninja who are you and then he replied ask drake and it's just like wow like you're on lady gaga who's you know grammy winning like one of the top artists of the past decade i would say especially Mm -hmm. in the pop world like this, you know, Ninja is like, and Fortnite is like on her radar, and it's like a thing that she's commenting on. Like, you know how social media people are. Like, each tweet is hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, imagine Absolutely. the kind of residual benefit that Lady Gaga tweeting about Fortnite and Ninja was. So it's just yep. a really interesting example of how more mainstream and more celebrity is coming to this realm. Absolutely. I mean, I think even um, even at a base service provider level, you know, if you think about, you know, we're, we're at a stage now where finally attorneys and talent agents are actually being sort of welcomed within the space. But there are tons of other service providers that are itching to come in that certainly can provide some very real benefit. You know, think about like financial planning um, upcoming topic about, oh perfect there you go um but yeah so you know financial planning is definitely one realm that you know will need to be broached and will need to be you know accepted more more regularly um also things like uh insurance um and that dovetails a little bit with financial planning but um even just protecting your livelihood and at the end of the day now i think it's you know the realization that this is the live this is their livelihood uh, and this is a business no different than, you know, opening up a store on the corner. Uh, certainly that store exists in a very different fashion and you're selling very different things. But, um, but you know, all, all players, all streamers, all content creators are businesses unto themselves. And I think as, as the industry grows, we'll start to treat it that way. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely been something that I've been noticing is, you know, more wealth management guys and insurance guys and people that I've been dealing with in the traditional for NFL players and musicians in that realm. Like, oh, I see these kids winning $3 million at Dota 2. And, you know, the Fortnite kid, the 16-year-old win $3 million for winning solo. So it's like mm-hmm. you're getting millions of dollars at a pretty young age. And, yep. you know, you're pretty much pretty financial illiterate for most people. And, you know, if you get a couple million dollars at a 
early enough age and you do some of the right things with it, you could really position yourself to be a lot ahead of the rest of your colleagues. <laughs> like, well, we can Absolutely. just leave it at that. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so do you believe that, you know, collective bargain agreements and salary caps will have an impact on esports the same way it does on traditional sports? I think collective bargaining is going to be something that is a ways away. Um, the biggest hang up being that traditional sports, we have two parties in collective bargaining. It's the league, which is the collective arm of all of the teams and the players. Um, or the collective arm of the players, being the players' association. I think here, um, you there would need to be a third party, being a collective of the teams, a collective of the players, and then you also have the developer. Realistically, uh-huh. um, it's it's it can be difficult enough to get two people, to, two organizations to agree. Um, it's going to be that much harder to get three parties to agree, uh, and that's a minimum of three. You could also expand that out and say. All right, well, let's include tournament providers or, or, or tournament organizers. And now we have four groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not super high on collective bargaining. I think some games have a better shot than others, just given the various power dynamics at play. Um, but with respect, what was the salary cap? We think that we're going to be having salary cap very difficult to implement. I think side of a collective bargaining may see is teams start drawing lines in the sand that they don't want to cross because it's incredibly difficult for organizations to monetize as is um and a significant unofficial salary caps basically yeah so, so having a having a a soft cap or an unofficial cap that just sort of exists that you know they're no longer willing to go beyond uh, which raises all sorts of legal issues as well, especially yeah. if they're, especially if they're doing that behind closed doors. Uh, but certainly, I think, um, I think that you'll start to see prior to there being um, collective bargaining. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, I like to end with you know my three standard questions. So, what's your <laughs> what's your favorite game to play? You know, you don't have to pick one. I can give you a bunch. Um, right now I'm playing a lot of MLB The Show. Okay. Baseball nut. Let's hope the Yankees uh, put on a show tonight. Yeah, but I'm a Mets fan, so. I'm well, rude. it's still New York, man. Some we, we gotta keep it in New York. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I'm waiting. I'm itching for uh, Modern Warfare, the remaster, which the remake, which will come out in a couple weeks. I'll play a ton of that. Um, I've been playing a lot of. The Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening uh, remaster out on Switch, so that's been my uh, my airplane game, so to speak. Nice. So, what's your favorite game to watch? My favorite game to watch is CS:GO, hands down. Okay. And so, who's your favorite um, gaming character? Mario, Luigi, you know, any of those? <laughs> I see you got Toad in the back. Yeah, um, yeah. I've got a vault boy over here. Uh, I've got a slime and then the, the mushroom. But um, I would say, you know, the icon, which is still Mario, Super Mario. Okay, I mean, you can never go wrong with Mario. Um, exactly. So thank you so much for joining us, Roger. This was very insightful. You know, thanks everybody again for tuning in. Make sure to follow us both on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and you see his information is listed by him.
Make sure to check out jacobsonfirm.com for some more articles and information. And make sure you follow Prediction Esports on Twitch and Twitter to find all of our past broadcasts on Apple Podcasts.